Welcome to episode 37 of Crave the Book. Today, we're going to be covering chapters 79 through 85 of Tracy Wolf's Crush. And a couple little trigger warnings here. We do, in the spoilers section, um, have some talks of self-harm. So just, you know, some, some warnings there, but all relevant to the conversation. And we do have some pretty good mental health PSAs included in this episode. But for the most part, we've got a lot of jokes, lots of fun, lots of sillies taking place in this episode. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. All right, guys, episode 37. I am very tired because I was up late last night creating an awesome ASMR for you all. Um, if you go check it out, it's going to be the Dragon Court ASMR. And if you listen very carefully through the sounds of New York City and partying and fireworks, you can also hear some of Grace's favorite songs. And they're very echoey. Mr. Moore helped me last night to give them like that. I don't know. It sounds like they're bouncing off of all of the skyscrapers and, and things in New York. So very fun. Didn't post until just a couple hours ago. And today is Monday. So it's Wednesday. By the time you listen to this, you have no excuse not to go listen to it. Um, and that's located on the Crave the Book podcast YouTube channel, which that's the only place that you can hear the ASMR. So make sure that you subscribe to that, even if you're listening to this podcast on Spotify or anywhere else. Because thanks to Amber's help, we are now on Apple Podcasts and we were approved for Pandora. Woohoo! Woo! Yay! We, we just had no idea whether they were working or not because neither of us have iTunes to be able to check. <laughs> yeah, everybody, everybody said that it's working. So for everybody who was like, are you on Apple? And we're like, no, we're not on Apple. Now we're on Apple. So we're also on banana, pear, pomegranate, and avocado. You're so funny. I know. I'm so funny. All right. Amber, do you want to tell them? You should run a podcast or something. I know. I, I'm, I'm so charismatic. You know, I'm still shocked that there are people who tune listen in. to us. Yeah. Like, who wants, who wants to listen to us, really? Uh, Our I, husbands don't even want to listen to us. I, I, I know. Well, yours... Just shut up. Yours... Shut yours, up. We're like, oh. Yours turns on the podcast and doesn't actually listen to it. He turns it on for the ambience of hearing people talk. So we're just yep. white noise. Yep. That's amazing. Which I don't know whether to take it as a compliment or an insult. I mean, he could I'm be listening... Really sure. He could be listening to some other girl talking for white noise. So at least he's listening to his wife. That's... Uh, yeah. Yeah. But... That should mean he'd want to listen to me normally, too. But he's like, shut up. <laughs> I should just say that whenever whenever I want to, like, voice my my concerns or my anxiety, just, like, you know, offload, but without an answer or any feedback from him, just for him to just sit there and be a person that I vent to, I could just say, I don't need a solution. I just need to be white noise to you. Just sit down. Fall asleep. I, and you know what? As anxious people, that's sometimes all we need. Yep. We just, just need, need to, to say the things out loud that I'm concerned about and then realize that they are really dumb. <laughs> yeah. Same boat, same boat. Well, I have big spoilers in this episode and they will go all the way to court. <sighs> yeah, they will go all the way to court. So if you would like to let the, uh, let the listeners know what super special sound they should listen out for in the event that they just decided one day, you know what, I think I'm going to start this podcast on episode 37. 
So the sound that we should definitely trademark as a sound that will only ever be allowed to be in our podcasts ever is the wolf howl. And it sounds a bit like this. Ooh. Fun fact about that sound. <laughs> I bought it. Like, I, I paid for that noise. This is our howl. We own it. Ours. Ours. Okay. Unless, unless somebody else buys it. I, I'm pretty sure that everybody could buy it if they wanted to. <laughs> yeah, but nobody else could use it in a podcast if we trademark it. Yeah. Oh. Genius. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, if you want to listen out for the wolf howl, everything before that sound will indicate that that was a, a note or something that we thought was relevant to the chapters that we have read today. And then everything after is still about the chapters that we've read today, but they will, will contain like whether we think that it was a red herring for something that happens on later or whether it, it links in with something that is a foreshadowing for one of the future books. Um, so if you haven't read up until court and you don't want it be ruined, drop out after the howl or just before the howl, just in case you hear something. You're no, 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 no. We don't want you to sit there for the, the podcast going la 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 la. You think there's new ears because that's, that's that's not good for podcast listening. It is not. Um, so yeah, if you hear the if you hear the howl and you haven't read up until court, drop out and come back when you have because there'll be some really good like little tidbits that you I wish somebody would discuss this with me like we are I mean this is the reason why we're recording isn't it it is because we just I saw somebody in the group like saying I've read all the books and I don't know what to do now because I, I'm thinking about rereading them I'm like that's why we've got the podcast because this is ours yeah, we, <laughs> we will reread so you don't have to <laughs> exactly hours and hours and hours or read along with us that's fun too um, and I was going to say <laughs> I was going to say that there aren't any spoilers that are devastating but if you just heard the clickety clack of my keyboard that's because I thought of a spoiler that will be devastating and I added it to the list so um, it will definitely ruin court for you if you haven't read it so make sure that you wait to listen but and possibly would ruin cherish depending on what happens yeah i mean we don't oh, know what oh, happens. like charm charm not so much but yeah one of the later books something could happen and then you're like no oh this is a reality it could happen yeah the, even the spoilers because we're we are we are always right i mean heather wear a crab come on like that, that panned out exactly how we thought it would. So we were right about the tea. We were right about. We were right about. We were right about um, Heather coming back. She wasn't just like a throwaway character. See, that, now you're putting spoilers in. Yeah, she, but like we were like, oh, but she came back in this episode. Well, yeah, she did. She did. She did. She disappeared, and we thought that that was have a wear crap, but she came back. <laughs> You're right. She did because because Grace was in our last episode about to get sexy, sexy with Jackson because Hudson was asleep. But then Grace's alarm goes off, and it wakes up Hudson, and it's like, oh no, we woke up baby Hudson. Now we need to get him a bottle and change his diaper. Because we got this stupid phone call with Heather, and the start of this episode. Grace is waking up in the morning and sending Heather a quick message that says, thanks for the, the phone call. And she talks about how she invited her human friend to the scary paranormal death school. And she's just like, oh, you know, I, I guess I'm going to have to break it over spring break to Heather that paranormals are real and I'm a gargoyle. And I'm like, is this not 
Are, is it not the same rules like with Harry Potter? Are, are you not? Can you just tell everybody? Like, I thought that they had to keep their identity a secret. Is that not how this works? Or are you just, can you just decide like, oh, no, she's my friend? Well, I don't know, because the way that they were going to let her know with the school, it was only delayed because her uncle kept chickening out or things kept on getting in the way. So it wasn't like a big, big secret. They were just like, we can't just come out with the fact that we're a vampire or a werewolf. We have to kind of let the right person tell her the answer because otherwise she might freak out. But no one at any point has said, you cannot tell. I mean, I think it's silly that, I mean, maybe it's not silly, but Tracy hasn't given them a word. They're just humans. Like, for example, in Harry Potter, they're muggles. In the Cassandra Clare books, the like the mortal instruments, they're mundanes. Um, like, I kept on going to call them muggles and mundanes. <laughs> they're just, but they're just humans. They're just humans. I mean, it keeps things simple. Yeah, but um, yeah, no one said, like, you cannot tell the humans because... I think that everybody's got their own sort of power struggle anyway as to what they want out of it. Some people just go, we don't actually associate ourselves. We're in the middle of Alaska. We don't talk to anybody. The thing is, Hudson in this chapter, I mean, skipping way ahead to the boneyard scene, but Hudson talks about humans wanting to wipe out the paranormals and how it isn't fair that they have to keep their existence a secret. But... Grace had no idea. Like, Grace would be the the equivalent of if you and I found out that there were paranormals. But apparently there... Is it one of those things where, like, they they have all the same, like, myths and legends that we do? Like, we've we've heard of dragons and vampires and werewolves, but we just assume that they're not real. But then there are the, like, couple crazies who do think that it's all real. But the crazies are actually, like, maybe they're way smarter than we are, and they've been right this whole time. Like, same with the weird Bigfoot hunters. Like, maybe, maybe they're the ones who are legit. Maybe they're the ones who know something that we don't, and they're actually the smart ones. Maybe that's... Maybe. It's some guy who's sitting down in his basement with, like a bunch of like Polaroid pictures of vampires and werewolves all pinned up to a cork board with all the red string, like (laughs) zigzagging, connecting it all. And he's sitting there shaking and trembling like Tweak from South Park, drinking his coffee as he does weird vampire research on the internet. I hope it's a guy in a, like a hut, like a couple of miles away from Catmere. And his name is like Trevor or (gasps) something really. Uncle Phil. (laughs) Maybe Uncle Phil knows nothing. He's clueless. He's like all these he's damn kids. He's suspicious. suspicious of his brother <laughs> slash half-brother or stepbrother, maybe brother-in-law. We still haven't worked out um, who he is in relation to this family. But maybe he doesn't know anything at all. Maybe he's the adopted kid. And they were like, oh, wouldn't it be cute if we adopted a, like a human? Kind of like a pet. <laughs> Here's the thing. We adopted a human. Here's the thing. Like... Tracy is still writing Charm, which means she likely hasn't started Cherish. She's probably just kind of drafted it out. We're we're like to the point now where we can message Tracy at any time and she responds to us. She knows who we are. We we could have that influence where if we wanted to, Amber, if we wanted to change the course of history, we could tell Tracy that Uncle Phil has become a very important part of the Crave the Book podcast and that we are requesting that somewhere in Cherish we get 
Uncle Phil, even if he just comes over for lunch, you know, even if he just <laughs> he just pops in for a minute, we want Uncle Phil. Yes. Yes, we do. And I want him to look like Dr. Phil. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. That's do you reckon he's older yes. or younger? Older. Older. Okay. I, I not necessarily wiser. I mean, he's a he flies crazy planes. I pictured him to be like a, a, a you know, kind of like big outdoorsman with like a long, like gray beard and long gray hair, but like well kept, like you know, like you know, trimmed nice. <laughs> I'm imagining that he keeps some sort of kind of like Grand Theft Auto like garage of all the vehicles he owns and can drive. Like he just like goes out and he's got like a like a hanger. He's got, he's got an airplane hanger, and it's just got it's got like a, a snowmobile, fighter jet, got skis. He's got a, a tank. Jet. <laughs> I think that he just he's like slowly accumulating all of the vehicles just in case he oh, needs it. That would be so great, Amber, because everybody loves a scene with like the hot guy driving like the sexy car. So like Hudson could go like down the mountain and like steal a Lamborghini from Uncle Phil and yeah. and use it as like this getaway car for him and Gray. I don't know. I'm just making shit up. I'm thinking about Alice and her um in her Porsche, her yellow Porsche. <laughs> did you know, getting way off topic, but did you know that Ashley Green, the girl who played Alice, got to lease um, the yellow Porsche that she drove in New Moon for, I think, two or three years. She got to yeah. drive it, but then she had to give it back. Uh, but she got to keep it for a while. That's fun. Speaking, speaking of cars. Speaking of cars. <laughs> speaking of cars. So there was a scene... Because they're they're going to the they're going to the dragon boneyard. Okay, that's that's where we're at. They need to get to the dragon boneyard, get the dragon bone before they go to the unkillable beast. So next stop, they got the they've got the bloodstone, or no, they don't have the bloodstone. They're going to get the blo- bloodstone tomorrow. They have won the Ludares. If they don't die, if they don't die in the dragon boneyard they get the dragon bone and then after they get the bloodstone tomorrow then they're going to go to the unkillable beast so um they're on their way through the tunnels to the dragon boneyard and i actually i took a picture of the um part of the book but hudson decides to show his uh his knowledge of vehicles he says let's see Hudson can make me forget everything in a blink when he pushes my button, zero to 60 in 2.8 seconds. And then Hudson says, what are you, a Bugatti, he asks. That's the only car in the world that can go that fast. That's not true. Not zero to 60. I had to ask Mr. Moore. The Bugatti was the fastest car. But if we're talking about zero to 60, the newest Tesla Roadster can go that I mean, that's, he, 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 he scoffed at that remark. So Hudson, sweetheart, honey, baby boo, baby hudders, you need to learn about cars before you start spewing your mouth. Okay. Okay. Sweet stuff. All right. Um, and then you would put in there about <laughs> it's the- only now, it's only now you've pronounced it in the American way that I now understand what they mean by a pun. Yeah. Cause Grace said, when you start bugging me, yeah. I was like, I, I didn't understand. I didn't understand the pun at all. 
I didn't either. I didn't get that it was a pun and, until I see it typed out. Bugging and bu- it's not Bugatti. It's Bugatti. <laughs> it's a Bugatti, not a Bugatti. It's just, just really strange. I mean, when like, you, when you it read- was like a joke. You know, like when somebody gives you a joke and you're like, uh, I don't, I don't get it. And you laugh like, anyway. There's a, there's a real stretch. Yeah. But like, if if maybe Tracy had spelt it B O O G. If you keep booging me, then yeah. Boogin. And then it was like, okay, that, at least that would have been okay. I guess the same pronunciation, but I would never have got it anyway. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but maybe that's what maybe that's what he means by it was the worst pun ever because it genuinely was. It was. It was an awful pun. Yep. Um, so they're heading down to the Dragon Boneyard through the tunnels, which they find out are under Catmere Academy, and they get up to this door that's all full of gemstones and. They um, they find out that only dragons can get through to the dragon boneyard, which is conveniently located under the school. Um, but only Flint and Eden can get through. And they're like, oh, shit, mm-hmm. what do we do? And so <laughs> Macy... Pulled- well, the way that they get in, the way they get in is tapping... Um, the stones. Tapping the stones in a very strategic order. And I was like, that's so diagonally. The way that they tap tap the bricks with with the wand to get into the diagonality because it all sorts of like starts like separating and moving the bricks yeah. to get into the magical portway and you get that really satisfying sound yeah that that sound that effect sound of bricks like clinking and like rubbing together that's it's the most satisfying like and I bet it wasn't bricks. Have you ever have you ever watched when a sound effects person like dubs over the movie with oh, their yeah. own their own sounds? It's hilarious because the things that they use are not things that make those noises. Yeah, it's like if there's like a horror movie where someone's getting stabbed, it's like a lady like stomping grapes on a trash bag in her basement. Yeah. 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 I think there was there's one where it's like a um if somebody is standing in mud, like particularly squelchy mud, they will bite into a carrot. <laughs> Stuff like this. It's really funny to watch. I get um, it, though, because it would, it, I do the same thing for our um, ASMRs. I just, the sounds are already done for me. Yeah. I, th- I think it would be a really fun job. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of I'm them really can... poor at timing, though. Well, people do it from home, too. Like, they just record it, like, in their basement, and then they sell those sound effects to studios. Yeah. Like like attaching like tennis shoes and squelching in mashed potato to walk through snow and stuff. It's it's great. Sounds sexy. <laughs> so Macy pulls out her fanny pack, which Xavier, when she says it's her her potions accessory bag, Xavier helpfully points out that it's an accessory bag. Um, but the whole fanny pack thing, I'm sure that since a majority of our audience, I believe eighty six percent, is in the U.S. Would you like to um, explain to our youngins out in the crowd, out in the audience, out in the yonder, why fanny pack might be considered a funny thing to those of you in the UK, Amber? Yes. (laughs) Yes, I will. (laughs) So uh, fanny in Britain is a more polite name for the front bottom. The front butt. Yeah. Um, the vagine. It's not, it's not something that a younger audience would say. It's very much uh, if you were talking to a child and you wanted them to have like an age appropriate name for them, like you might say that, or we also say mini, 
which is weird. Yeah, that's kind of strange. Um, but a lot of the elder generation also have the name Fanny. So I think that's probably why it stopped being so well like <laughs> said a lot. It would be the equivalent um, of someone like walking up to you and being like, hi, my name's Vagina. What's your name? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got um, uh, and, and they're usually an auntie. I don't know why, but they're always Aunt Fanny. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, dear Aunt Fanny. Aunt Fanny. No, Fanny's a butt um, here. You're, the, yeah, no, if you said, like, I've got a really itchy Fanny, um, that's like you've got a yeast infection. <laughs> you need to go to the doctor for some antibiotics. <laughs> <laughs> but then a bit if they go, no, 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 I've got worms. You're like, what? <laughs> oh, no. Oh. Fanny pack. So, yeah. When when you guys say Fanny, it's always really really funny because <laughs> we're just like no, it doesn't go there. Uh, but in reality, it does. I mean, it does. It hangs you on the front. You, you wear you, you hands at the around the front, but then we still call it a bum bag. So that does that mean that we, as Brits, we should only ever wear it backwards? I think that it. Go, I think it's supposed to go on the back, but I mean, it's you gotta like twist I have it a around. Shelf. Yeah, I have like an actual shelf, so like it would just rest and bounce. As <laughs> I... <laughs> it would be like a saddleback on a horse, just <laughs> yeah, not comfortable, and you could never sit because it would just be against your back. Yeah. So now you guys know something new. Fun, fun. Um, <laughs> everybody, make sure to go to the uh, Crave the Book podcast YouTube channel, as well as the Crave series aesthetic Instagram. And on any of our posts, uh, just comment Fanny Pack. That way we know that you have gotten the message and that you're well educated now. So I think what we should also do for one one of the giveaways, we should do a Fanny Pack slash bum bag slash waste pouch. I'm trying to come up with a different names um, with potions accessory kit like on it that would be great we should do we that should do it. We'll bug, bug. make it all witchy vibes as well yeah because we can do the all over print mm-hmm. be fun what do you guys think and i myself have one from the company that we have them made by they're such good quality i use mine for dog walking so it has like extra treats uh carabiner clip uh poo bags a dog whistle um it even fits like a tennis ball and then it also can fit my phone in it my keys in it when i when i'm like walking and i want both hands we never have pockets none of our clothes ever have bloody pockets i don't understand <laughs> who designs these clothes but yeah so I, I chuck everything in it and it could fit so much in there all your pop tarts guys all your pop tarts every we flavor do scrunchy as well as well because you've got to put your hair up to concentrate to do your, your spells Absolutely. You can't have your hair blowing all around. You've seen you've seen how Macy does her s- spells. There's lightning and lightning, lightning, lightning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we get we get a little bit more of Grace like having that that weird feeling again mm-hmm. telling her to turn back. Like you should not be here. Get out. Leave now. Do you think And get again, she ignores it. Do you think it's her gargoyle or do you think that it's like the dragon, like just the the essence of like being in a place like a burial ground for a different species where she's like, they are kind of trying to ward off 
thing is, it wouldn't even matter because even even if it was just her intuition, if it, even if it was just her conscious saying like we shouldn't be here, like even if it's like a this is disrespectful to be here, not this is dangerous to be here, she never listens to it anyway. So whoever it is, whether they're a real person or not, they're going to be pissed off with her when they finally do meet her. Yeah. They're like, God's sake, you I told you so many times. <laughs> Just like that spooky tree at the beginning of Crave. She's walking around Crave. She's walking around, you know, she's walking around her school, Crave, the school. Um, and right when she gets to Katmere and she walks past a tree and she's just like, oh, that tree is spooky. Spooky tree. I better ignore it. I better ignore it. Better ignore it. <laughs> All right. So. The next, the next note is mine I, and it's just a chicken because it gets mentioned again. <laughs> yeah. Hudson calls her, asks her if she's a chicken We've, and then that makes it even more apparent that, that she definitely is a chicken whisperer. He's a chicken whisperer because she's a chicken. Yeah, because he whispers to her all the time. Mm-hmm. He's all like, pss, 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 chicken, pss, 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 pss. <laughs> All right. Um, and the very next note is mine as well. And it's, um, I'm getting the feeling that this isn't the first heist that Huddles has participated in. <laughs> he seems to know how to break into a lot of things and hack the system. Like, he knows how to, like, pretend play an iPod in Grace's head. He knows how to use her strings. He knows that you should definitely use magic to be able to to open the Chamber of Dragon Secrets. <laughs> he also, that's definitely what we should call this. Chamber of Dragon <laughs> Secrets. Oh, that's a good episode title. Yep. Um... And he also knew, like, that Macy's power wasn't enough for Grace to be able to manipulate magic. Like, he knows a lot, but keeps it secret until it's ready to be used. And I feel like he's participated in a lot of, like, shenanigans Maybe he want- in the past. Maybe he wants... I mean, he's if he's, his, if he's old, because obviously all of the vampires are old. I mean, for one, he's had a lot of time to think. And for two, he's he's got a lot more life experience. And maybe it is when you are that much, like, when you have that much age. I don't want to say older because, like, he still has the mentality of his age, but he has more life experience. Maybe it's the right thing to do to let, you know, those who don't have all that experience make mistakes. Maybe it's it's better to not. Because, I mean, you could just be a know-it-all and guide them on everything, but it might be more interesting being a vampire to observe what a you know what a natural decision making process would look like given someone's age and experience like if you just guided everybody through everything it would be very boring because you would ultimately control their every move it's like the episode of Rick and Morty where Morty has like the crystal thingy that like guides all of his decisions but he ends up living a really mundane life to try to get to the end result that he wants. It, it would be almost the same thing. Yeah. I feel like he would make a good teacher. Like, he could, he can see the the outcome and the results and the way to get to what they, what the, the class would be hoping for, but also says it in a way that people go, oh, oh yeah, I'm dumb. Is this your Why fetish talking? Maybe. <laughs> Because it sounds like a Maybe. fetish talking. Maybe. Teacher Hudson. 
Well, I'm just thinking like the, the, when he goes into things, he he already knows how to calm everybody down. He and he also he's so empathic. He can kind of rein in himself without doing anything else to anybody else, and just kind of just could stood, stand there in front of. The, maybe he, I just want him there. Mr. <sighs> Vega, what do you guys think, Mr. Vega? Mm, Mr. Vega. Would he make a good teacher? Um, yeah. I mean, he's got he's 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 got all the snark that you love in a teacher where you know, <laughs> you've got you can kind of see them as an equal but they're not because they're still a teacher. You just you're you like that powerful that that power trip. <laughs> I like that powerful authority figure. <laughs> I yeah, I can tell. You've, I know what you like. I know. I know the yep. books. I know the books you read. Yep. <laughs> so. Yep. Um, so Macy does her spell, and it's just so like Tracy's writing style is so different than mine, because in the channel, which is the book I wrote, guys, uh, selfish plug here. The Channel by Starla Moore. You can buy it everywhere online. Um, but in my book, for example, the weapons like JC's polearm, they are an extension of their body that come from tattoos that are like tattooed onto them. And they almost like manifest from their hands, but they're still connected to their, their body. Um through this like network of inner wiring, but the weapons themselves are almost like completely covered in bolts of electricity. And I remember when I was writing those scenes, how I was thinking like, okay, if they make impact, like what will that sound like? What will the what will the electricity sound like when it comes into contact with another weapon? And it would have like- Like a lady standing on grapes in a trash bag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It would sound like walking through mashed potatoes. Um, or accidentally <laughs> shocking yourself while plugging something into an outlet. There would just be that like clang and then and like little sparks like spitting. And I, I tried to capture all of those sounds and the glow and the, the how the glow like dances on, you know, between the features of their faces. But when Tracy wrote this scene, I, I appreciate it because it's a long book. I mean, Crush is taking us forever to get through. And it's just like the descriptions of Macy's spells are just to the point because it's not anything that is super significant to the story. Macy holds up her wand. There's, you know, lightning comes down and connects to the wand. And that's like, that's all there is to it. It's not like the lightning dances at the point of the tip of the wand and the light and the sparks and the reflection on the wall. Like it's just the lightning connects to the wand and all Grace can even pick up from the spells is like a couple words, like power, light. Yeah, da, 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 da. Well, it was it was a rhyme, yeah. wasn't it? It was. And I yeah. I added to your the descriptions of Macy's spells are right to the point, and I said, and the spells themselves and nursery rhymes easier to remember. <laughs> they were like um, calling all elements. Find the door. Thank you. 
It was like really <laughs> simple. It was amazing. It wasn't like oh we don't we don't have to learn an entirely new language for this as well. Like with Harry Potter and you're like Wingardium Leviosa and things like that, which are like super iconic. They always become their own trope in themselves. Whereas this is like no, she's just really powerful and doesn't have to say these fancy words. Like she is magic herself. Like her race is magic, and it makes it easier it kinda, too for the reader. To remember. Yeah, they're like, I know exactly what this spell is going to do. Can you think back to before Harry Potter was like everything to everybody everywhere? You see it everywhere. Can you think back to reading the books for the first time and getting to all those spells and thinking, I will never be able to remember what all of these mean, but then you just somehow do after time because that's that's you, well you do forever that, like even if you forget some they still kind of retain in your memory and they'll pop up it's a um disadvantage of i, I was like i will not read harry potter everybody else. i also i i studied languages so therefore it's like a it's just a thing that is innate yeah with me um but i was the same with aragon because that is full of random words that he he made up that language at least with um with jk rowling she actually kind of used words that were already pre-existing like in gorgio you could kind of work out what that meant there was a root yeah where whereas brisinger you'd have no idea what that means yeah and it just means fire like you like well where, where would you get that from and it was because christopher parlini actually made up a language for it um and um they did the same for lord of the rings um oh yeah the like that that whole era of writing and for fantasy novels we, they wrote their entire language i mean star trek is full of it star wars is full of it like it's my jam i love it <laughs> that's my least favorite part <laughs> I, I i i mean i can respect it and think it's really cool but as the reader slash viewer, um, I like oh, it. It definitely creates it creates a, a a classist thing where if like if you don't understand it, then you, it sucks to be you. Um, yeah, because you you're not, not going to follow what's going on, and also some sometimes it can be done really really badly. Harry Potter was amazing. It just it just worked. Um, Aragon in the fiction really really worked. Uh, same with Lord of the Rings. It just really... I mean, the Elvish was incredible. Like, it didn't sound there are made up. There are people who know the whole language and can mm -hmm. use it to communicate. Yeah, like Game of Thrones, Dothraki, and um, I can't remember what the 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 race is called, but from Pandora, um, Avatar. Yeah. They have their own. They have their own language as well. And and it sounds really good. And it sounds like a real language. And it's because the people who made it up were people who studied languages anyway. But then you also have the really bad ones that are like, you're like, oh, cringe. Like you probably could have gotten away with just kind of, you know, when they, they go, oh, I've taken the first part of this word and the second part of this word and just switched them around. And now it's an entirely new language. And it's like, mm, yeah, but you still need a structure for a language like if you don't study language yourself then you can't you, it's not cultural it doesn't work yeah and it's really uncomfortable to listen to and one of the worst ones is um grim 
uh, the TV show. I, I can't watch it. When they start introducing the blood bad and <laughs> stop, just stop, stop it now, please. Well, on the bright side, if we do get the Crave movies, then we won't have to deal with any of that because I don't think that there are any other languages. No, I, that's not. It's all pretty Americanized, cut and dry. Yeah. I mean, you, you also start throwing, like, throwing a wobbly and things like that. The Britishisms. That's already too much for you guys. Yeah, but I can make sense of it. Like, I can, I can understand it. I can't remember what There's one no. of them was, but you were like, what the hell is a blah, blah, blah? <laughs> I can get... Con- Do you guys remember middle school learning about context clues? That's what I'm driving into my 10-year-old uh, daughter's head right now. I'm like, context clues. I don't know what this word means. I'm like, look at the words around it. The words around it will give you an idea of what it means. Yeah. A slack-jawed numby. Yeah, numby. <laughs> slack-jawed numby. That's right, numby. It's, like, it's like quite clearly an insult, but I myself have no idea what it is because we don't really go into the descriptions of what it is when we insult someone. <laughs> yeah. So the dragon boneyard, um, of all of the scenes, like their arrival there, maybe it's because I've played a lot of video games but it's probably the most vivid scene in this book for me. It's because I can see it so clearly. It's almost one of those scenes that I feel I will be very disappointed if I don't, if they don't do it the way that I see it. Because the way I picture it, it's almost, it is almost like Chamber of Secrets vibes. But I, I picture it, you know, pretty much pitch black other than that light shining down from the center of the room onto that little island that's just kind of in the middle. And obviously it's a a great distance away um, from where they have entered the room on this ledge because it takes 80 seconds. So 40 seconds and then they had another wind hit and then 40 seconds and then another wind was coming and they were able to make it to the other side. So 80 seconds to cross with the dragons flying at full speed to get there. So that's faster than a Bugatti, guys. A Bugatti. A, 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 I'm going to say Bugatti every bu- single time. Bugatti. Bugatti. <laughs> so yeah, that scene, very vivid. I'm imagining the dragons to be like the size of the skulls that are under, um, oh, the main castle in King's Landing in Game of Thrones the from the Targaryens where they kept the, the big skulls down under the castle. You know what I'm talking about. Are you looking to me for the name of the place? Because no. I can't help you there. <laughs> no, but, but do, you, do you remember yes. the skulls? They said that some of them were so big that they yes. filled the whole room. Like that's, that's, yeah. And we have House of the Dragon about to come out. So I'm sure we'll get some more cool dragon bones, but yeah. Um, so they get across, there's, you know, crazy winds, yada, yada, oh God, we're not going to make it, but of course they do. And then you noted, I should have noted this too, that Flint gets super sad once he gets to the graveyard. Yeah. And the, he, like, yeah, he gets all emotional over being in this graveyard and yet they walk through a tunnel made of human bones to get to class every single goddamn day. And he has no such issues. 
Well, so it's his brother. Well, then, and uh, yeah, and then then he drops the bombshell that it's every dragon in existence comes here. It's not just a, oh, I'm in a graveyard. It's I'm in the graveyard. My my family are here. You know what? And I- then everybody else are like, oh, <laughs> ooh, awkward. What yeah. what I love is that it like when a dragon dies like the bones just fall from the ceiling and crash onto this island like it's not like this beautiful like burial like you know they float magically with little glittery well they're not expecting anybody else to be there are they no (laughs) they just fall (laughs) we don't need it to be graceful it's a we don't need it to be respectful it reminds me of like a garbage chute where the trash just (laughs) falls in boom falls into the incinerator yeah (laughs) Um, so they're looking for the tiny bone that they can carry and Grace has decided that it would be best for her and Hudson to split up. Um, I found this scene, I don't know, this is probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire book because this is a scene where Grace, you know, she feels that emotion going into the boneyard, realizing like, oh, Flint's hurting, Eden's hurting because her parent, her mom is, you know, her mom's bones are there. And then Grace starts thinking about the fact that her parents are dead. And Hudson, who can read her thoughts, um, he apologizes to her. And there's this moment where their eyes connect. And I think that this is the first time in the entire book that Grace actually allows herself to forgive Hudson, even though she knows it wasn't truly, I mean, it was kind of his fault, but at the same time, it it wasn't his intention. And the fact that she was able to let go of that grief, I think that this moment when she humanizes him and their eyes connect, I feel like that's where the real spark of their connection begins. Mm -hmm. Because she's been denying it up until this point. She has allowed herself to believe that he is purely evil, even when, like, her better judgment kind of tells her that, no, he he's not. Like, he's too nice. You guys get along too well. He can't be all of these things. But she just denies that to herself. I think she forgets it as well. Yeah. Like, she's having a great time with him, and then she is... I think she's absolutely fine until she is around other people who then remind her of all the things that they have told her about him. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, she becomes suddenly really amor- like a moralistic. And... Yeah. Poor Hudson. Poor Hudson. And he just kind of takes it because he has to. Yeah. Because he also carries that guilt. He said, I mean, he's... He says that, you know, he would do anything to take all of that back and he really wishes that it never had happened. Yeah. I mean, he at no point did he ever say like he he wanted to be realived. Yeah, he had no plans to be reincarnated, like there was nothing no. And I like I said, I really God, I really want a scene even if it's a bonus chapter. I really need to know how Jackson like how did that how did that play out? How did Jackson kill him? And when Hudson was making that swing where his sword connected with Grace at the end of Crave, like what was going on in that moment? How did Jackson land like a killing blow to Hudson that just 
poofed Hudson out of existence because there couldn't have been a body. He had to have just poofed into nothing. Yeah. I mean, he did poof I the guess. wolves. He did. He, uh, he did. <laughs> he did. Speaking of Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, I said, how, how, how much better would it have been if they had just gone Accio's small bone? <laughs> Seeing what happened. It would have been like, does, so does funny. Macy not have a, does Macy not have a summoning spell? <laughs> it, it would have been so funny as like a little Easter egg if they would have tried it. Like, yeah. And, and, and someone just look over like, really? <laughs> <laughs> It'll be the bloopers. Oh my yeah, god! When they when they've got the movie, they'll just be the bloopers. It's just like, oh, you got to find these tiny bones. And then Macy kind of goes, Akio's small bone." Everybody just and looks then they at wait her. for nothing, and nothing happens. And you're like, oh, now we've got to search properly. It's like um, it's like, have you ever um, like lost your keys, and then your husband goes, uh, "Do you want me to call them?" <laughs> no, but my husband will will be like, "Well, where did you last see them?" I'm like, "Really." If I knew that. That's the thing. Yeah. No, I, I love the sarcastic reply of, do you want me to call them? It's like, oh, I've lost my purse. Do you want me to call it? <laughs> Is it on silent? <laughs> so they decide to, to split off. Um, and Jackson gets upset at first because Grace is like, I'll just go with Hudson. And then Jackson's like, okay. And then once they're alone, Hudson's like, you know, I can only see what you see, right? But then immediately he's like, hey, I found one. And it's just an enormous <laughs> bone. <laughs> oh, man. I wish he'd found an enormous bone. <laughs> I was going to say, of course, it's Hudson who finds the enormous bone. Yep. yep. Um, uh, I also love because Grace and Hudson start like debating the logistics of Cyrus's reign and his, you know, Hudson said he didn't entirely do everything that he did for selfish, selfish purposes. And Hudson was basically comparing, you know, human to, to livestock for the vampires yeah. because, you know, they have to eat just like we eat animals. And Grace is like, no, that's not, it's not the same. And Hudson's like, well, you know, it's not like you guys have an overpopulation issue or anything. Maybe it would be better to thin the herd. And in my mind, I'm just like, damn, Tracy, way to state the hard truths because like we it's are, true. it is true. Our world. We have, we have no natural predators. Yeah. Our world is the most populated that it has ever been and it is only becoming more populated and there will we are experiencing the fallout of having a too populated world for example um i, I don't know if, if it's going on over there but we cannot find baby formula right now baby formula is gone there is no baby formula right now um and it's so bad that people are selling baby formula on like facebook pages and they're taking their empty canisters and they are filling them with flour and selling them to people to scam oh, them. Oh, wow. Yeah, it is really bad right now. And is, is that because of, like, the Ukraine's, like, situation? It's or? Everything is just since COVID. Uh, we have shortages on everything. Our housing market, our homes are insanely expensive. Gas is $5 a gallon right now. Um, we... Our groceries are insanely expensive right now. We actually totaled it out and we found that it is just as expensive. 
with resources and, you know, like electricity and prep to prepare a nice meal. It is just as expensive to do that here now as it is to just go somewhere and order a meal. I mean, you can obviously eat like cheapo food because we've got like dollar stores and stuff. But if you were to like actually prepare yourself a nice dinner, it will cost around the same as going to a restaurant because things are so expensive right now. And it's all, you know, with COVID, less less workers. You go into any restaurant now and there's a sign that usually says, you know, we are very understaffed um, because our minimum ways, wage is so so low, whereas inflation has made everything else so expensive. You you cannot survive on a on a normal, you know, minimum wage job because there's too many people and there's not enough and we're starting to experience that and it's it's very very scary. So I think that it was very interesting that in 2020 when Tracy released this book <laughs> that she was So I'm I'm just doing some conversions. <laughs> Doing some conversions for you. Doing some math? Are we mathing I'm right now? Doing some math. I'm, I'm mathing. Okay. I love some math. Uh, one second. Well, in the meantime, while you're mathing, Hudson Hudson gave us a banger of a line um, because the, the boneyard started getting upset and quaking and shaking because a dragon had died and bones started falling from the ceiling. And Hudson pulled the pulled the I don't I don't know what's going on stay near me and then he and Grace kind of both realized at the same time that like that was a moot point because there's nothing that he could have done <laughs> but at the same time just that that you know stay near me just, daddy vibes oh daddy vibes daddy vibes Hudson daddy vibes so, so you ready for my maths I'm so ready how much did you say your gas prices were five dollars a gallon for premium just under. So ours is $8.25. A gallon? Yeah. Holy hell. So not only did I have to convert from gallons to liters, but I also <laughs> had to to convert like dollars to pounds and then back again. So my math may be off, but that does sound about right. But the thing um, is, everything near you is all like crammed together and we have to drive long distances to do anything. Well, we have to import it. Yeah. We're not getting our gas from We import it too. Sheffield. We're we're importing um, it from over the ocean. We import most of our gas from I don't know. I was I was gonna try to make an educated guess there, but I can't remember. My <laughs> my husband, I hope he doesn't edit this part of the podcast because he'll be like, You know this. I was in the military. Like <laughs> Apparently the um the biggest crisis that we've got at the moment is sunflower oil. <laughs> Oh no! But there's so many other alternatives to that, and I'm like, that's hardly a crisis. Yeah, like, because we that's can a, use olive oil, coconut oil, sunflower seeds, sesame oil. I know that the uh, the Russians love their their sesame or their um, sunflower. Their, their sunflower seeds. Yeah. So you guys probably import sunflower yeah. products from Russia, which are probably being yeah. blocked right now. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yep. So one more language. Um, you know, difference thing. Uh, Xavier yelling, let's blow this pop stand as they are leaving or trying to leave the crazy Quaken Chamber of Dragon Secrets. Have Do you guys have that phrase? Let's blow this pop stand. No. No. 
And if we do, it's because somebody's copied it from another movie. <laughs> yeah. But you get, I mean, you context clues. Like, do you know what a pop stand is? Like, popcorn? No, pop. Oh, like fizzy? Yeah, pop. Oh. Pop stand. Which oh. isn't a thing. Like, we don't have pop stands, but that would be what, that, that would be a very, um, yeah. That would be a very Northwest statement. And what does that mean by to blow it? Like let's let's leave. Let's ditch this pop stand. Like if you're leaving, you're leaving. The, okay. You're leaving somewhere. Like let's bounce. Let's blow this pop stand. Oh yeah, we use that. Let's bounce. Yeah, it's the same thing. Let's bounce. Let's blow this pop stand. Okay. I, I was just wondering if that was like a if that was something that you guys said there because I doubted it. No. Yeah. All right. All right. Are you ready for spoilers? Since we're almost already yes, at I an am. hour. Rad. All right. So, here's my question, guys. The Dragon Court used to be at Catmere Academy, as we discover in Covet. When they go to New York, right? Yes. Okay. Dragon Court used to be at Catmere. Um, and the Boneyard and the Horde are still at Catmere. But we know that from Covet, during the Dragon Court scenes, that they obviously still have access to some of the treasure because they have the, you know, the treasure floating up in the air and everybody gets, you know, a piece of it. But there's mm-hmm. treasure at Katmir. Why why do they not take their horde with them? It's very undragon like to have to not have your horde with you. Do they have it like spread out like a little bit here, a little bit there? I like to think it was like investment banking. You don't put all of your stocks in one. Yeah, that makes one sense. <laughs> it just so see, But also now Katmir is destroyed. It is. Spoilers. Can they get there still? It's underneath, though, so the caves are probably still safe. But how'd you get there? I don't know. I wonder... You'd have to, like, remove all the rubble to find the location of the entrance. Wouldn't be hard for the dragons, though. They could... And I'm sure that the witches could, like, lift things with their... I'm sure that they have some... The witches won't do anything without payment in advance. They're bitches. Well, they've got a little bit of treasure. I mean, I'm sure that it's a good investment to pay the witches to help, which is witches be bitches. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think that in Cherish, and what I'm hoping is that Katmir gets put back together through some magical magic. Um, <laughs> maybe Finn just like bippity boppity boo and the whole thing. It's going to be like Hogwarts, which is like doodly 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 done. Yep. There you go cool <laughs> that's my hope that's my hope because i you know out of all of court i mean there were there were deaths in court and I, I won't i won't say any specific deaths but there were deaths in court and there was stress in court and all of these things and the thing that made me the most sad in court was right at the beginning when catmere academy just kind of fell to rubble i was like oh the building <laughs> For, not for, the building. Not the building. <laughs> Forget. It's like the end of. It's like the end of um, Deathly Hollows Part Two, where you're seeing it. Like you're seeing, like all the rooms that you're used to, like seeing all the happy in, and you're seeing like dead bodies of characters that you've grown familiar with, like strewn about, like. I just like to think of the props team just being really sad that they <laughs> like we worked for years on this. Did they destroy destroying it? Did they destroy the original set or did they just put some clutter around the set or did they build a new set? 
a cluttered set. No, I think that they, they destroyed the original set, but then also added to it because <laughs> destroying it, if it's made of like plasterboard, it's not going to make rubble. Yeah. So they would probably destroy it to make holes, <laughs> make that look realistic, then add more rubble, pretend rubble. What's what's great is I'm sure they, they messed up that set thinking, we'll never need this again. And then it's like, yeah. surprise, fantastic beast. <laughs> yeah. And the, the reunion. Oh, and yeah. like that. I reckon they green screened a lot. The, man, watching the reunion, I was so mad looking at the fireplace. I'm like, why did y'all put fake fire in the fireplace? They edited the fire in the fireplace for the reunion. And I'm like, it would have been easier and less time consuming to just put a fire in there. Do you reckon they forgot? Maybe they recorded everything and they went, shit. We forgot we the fire. Because <laughs> then they had to add the light like effects on their faces to make it look like they were next to a fire. I'm like... It would have been easier to just put a fire in there. But no, you can... Maybe someone was allergic to fire. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what if I'm allergic to shellfish? What if I'm allergic to bonfire? I'm allergic to fire. Oh, God. That's great. That's great. All right. Next next note is you. (laughs) Yeah, so um, I said that um, there was the moment when Grace and Hudson were discussing his culpability in the death of her parents. And... When Grace finally admits that he, he wasn't guilty and it wasn't his fault, um, she suddenly feels this like wave cascade over the wall that she had previously with him, like a barrier. And all she feels is this wave of the emotions that he's currently feeling. And it is the three like worst emotions ever. And it's uh, anguish, guilt and self-hatred. And you're like, wow, that is, that's a lot of emotions to have in one person all at one time, especially if it feels like a wave. Like if, if I was in a real world and somebody was feeling that and I could feel it from them, like magically, they need therapy. They need to go for help. Like that's like depression. That's, that's like a high risk human being. Yes. And everybody's just like, hey, it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. This 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 guy deserves to be back to be human, and he'll he'll be fine. He he can go back from being dead to not dead. Easy easy. Well, Grace, like is- he practic like when you when you read about it in court, and I mean again, if you have not read court, please stop listening. <laughs> he pretty much says that he unalives himself. Yeah, he he puffs himself out of existence, basically saying that he doesn't care if he doesn't come back, and. When somebody has done that, they are never normal again. Like you can't, you can't try that and then come back to life and be okay. You still need therapy. You still need someone to walk you back through the steps of feeling okay. And no one did. They just went, okay, you're back to school. And it's like, no, no, no one thought that the therapist was needed for anyone. This, uh, it, the whole school needs therapy. Nobody received any, like, aftercare after... I mean, and that's why everybody's so damn angsty. Like, Hudson... And we can all say, like, oh, Grace is there for Hudson. And that's sweet and all, but Grace is... No, she's not qualified. Right. She's not a professional. You are... And I know that this is, this is hard, especially when you're young. Um, 
and you love someone, but when it comes to mental illness, you are not enough to fix someone, nor should you be the solution to someone. Because the problem with that is that if if you dedicated yourself to someone and said, I will be the solution, I will be the fix, and then later down the line, you decide, mm, this person isn't for me, I've just, you know, I have decided that I would like something different for myself, you are stuck because then that person relies on you for life support. Um, that's yep. my, uh, we're going on, this will be the 11 year anniversary of the death of one of my best friends in high school. He took his own life, trigger warning. I, I should have said trigger warning. He took his own life um, because his girlfriend broke up with him for another guy, which is a normal thing that happens in high school. And he was a junior. Um, he was very talented. He was in welding because we went to a, a vocational school. So he was in the welding class. And on the last day of school that he was on earth, um, the, the like the rest of our lunch table, we had like a click and the rest of our lunch table had gone somewhere like field trip or something. And it was just me and him. And I remember being all stressed out about some assignment. And I was like sitting on my laptop, like trying to work on this assignment. And he said, are you okay? And he like had his head down the whole time, like, on the lunch table. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. He's like, do you need a hug? And I'm like, nah, no, nah, I'm good. I'm, I'll be all right. And then the bell rang after lunch. Like we didn't talk anymore. And he got up and he left. And I was one of the last people to speak to him before he went home and shot himself. And it's just like such, it's such a weird thing to think that that was 11 years ago. And by now he would be like married to somebody else and probably have kids. So, yeah. And now and that get that girl, the girl that broke up with him and she, is carrying on with her life, she has to live with that forever. She and she she does. She's very messed up from it. She has to carry that. It's like that's like you have assigned a bag to her that she will forever have to keep and carry and and drag along behind her. But it's also why n no person should be your solution. You must always be your own solution. No matter how much you love someone, no matter how much you care about them, you can be a supporting factor, but you cannot be the only factor because when you become the only factor, it goes from love to reliance and reliance is not good. And, and I will say that if something were to happen to my husband, I would not be cool. I would need, I would probably need a lot of therapy. I would probably not be able to be alone. Um, I would need supervision. Huh? You would need supervision. Yes, I would definitely need to be supervised. Um, but I have a child, so I would, I would persist. But we've also. But you wouldn't expect Taylor or one person. You wouldn't expect that one person in your life that's important to you to be your supervisor. Exactly. You would go, okay, I need a care professional. I need someone to check in who knows exactly what it means to leave their work. Yes. At work. Absolutely. Because, and like, and, and I, I love you like 100% best friends forever. I can't do shit from where I am. Oh, yeah. And if there was a moment where I was like, I feel concerned, I don't like this, she's not replied to me, I, I have those red flags, there's alarm bells ringing, how the hell am I supposed to go to sleep at night 
knowing that I can't help you. And I also don't know how your like emergency services work. Like, would would I be, and this would be my anxiety then starting to play out. And then I would need supervision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, it's it's one of the we always get so deep in these in these talks, especially towards the end. I think it's because we we like we get comfortable and we start just letting the conversations flow. But we're not scared of conversations. I think that's the, that's the problem is a lot of people feel like there are certain taboos and they don't want to go into them because they don't want to hurt people or they don't want to trigger someone and cause the wrong reaction. But I think the way that we actually speak, it, 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 if it does trigger someone, it's giving them the means to a solution that at least we're giving them appropriate advice. Yeah, because we're we're ultimately some some voices that you listen to probably on your your cell phones while you're like cleaning your house. There's somebody who's cleaning their house right now that's like, whoa, spooky. (laughs) But (laughs) (laughs) but, you know, we're we do have a minor obligation to you to be honest because we do know that a majority of our listeners are younger than we are and of course we do have a couple you know listeners who are around the same age and older than we are um and i'm sure that they all nod their head in agreement because once you hit the certain point of uh life experience i I don't want to say age because it's not age my my mom hasn't learned these things yet so it's not age it's (laughs) she's not no she's not at all no she's she has no idea but it's it's life experience and comfortability with self and i am so comfortable with myself that i am comfortable in a quiet room alone with nothing but my thoughts for an extended amount of time and that is okay with me and there are some people who must always have someone there beside them talking 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 Yep. And that's my definition but of hell. Also, but you also know exactly how to like say to someone, okay, I need quiet. Yes. I am okay with the quiet. I need quiet. Me me and my friend today, like we had a conversation about it because she, she was sat next to me in my studio and I was quietly working, complete silence, but she had headphones in because she needed noise, but I needed silence. And it worked so well. And I said, you can play the music on speakers. And she went, nope. Nope, I, I want I want it in my ear. And we were completely perfectly like okay with it. And I said, you do realize like I love silence. And when you call me and I ignore it because I need quiet, it's not because I'm having a, a breakdown. It's not because I am hiding. It's because your noise is too much for me right now. And I'm I'm either like in a really productive mood and I'm getting on with things and I'm really like happy with the way that my workload is progressing or... I I have sensory overload and one person's voice is just going to be too much for me to handle. She's the opposite. She's like, oh, no, I need supervision constantly. And I'm like, yeah, but why do you need it always from me? The one who likes the silence. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, yeah, she's like, I know I have to check in as well. Even, even if it's just a, are you okay? And me to say, I'm fine. I just need quiet. She said that she has so many friends that want to unalive themselves every day, that she just needs to check in with me. And I feel so sorry for the fact that she seems to be the linchpin, that she she seems to think that she's the person that's keeping them all alive. Yeah, I, I've actually- Because that must be horrendous. I've had friends like that. I mean, not, not since like, I, I don't know. I've had friends like that who tell me that like, I don't know, they try to put that on me 
they try to make me the person that is their, um, like their anchor to this world. Anchor, yeah. And I have told them that I cannot be. That is not okay. Like I cannot be that human because I am not reliable. And that's true because I have a family. I have a daughter. I have a that's hilarious. If you read it in that yeah. many words, well, <laughs> just not reliable. Sorry, I, I'm not. I'm really not. I'm not. I am not a. I am not a reliable friend to that extent because I am busy. I have a business. I have several businesses. I have a family, a daughter, a husband, a household, and you have anxiety. And I have anxiety. And what I always say is, you know, I cannot replace professional help. You need to find yeah. a professional who is qualified to do this because if I mess up in the time that you need me and you call me and I am busy and I do not take that call because I am putting my daughter to bed, reading her a story, helping her with homework, you know, taking her to the doctor, whatever that may be, and that causes harm to you because I was not there to answer that call, that is then the bag that I must carry. Mm-hmm. And that's why it is so important to make sure that if you have friends that are in that position, like uh, what I should have done when I, you know, because I knew that my my friend Nick was unstable um, the night that he passed away. I, I knew that he was not okay, but I just assumed that he was because he, he had said something like, oh, I'm going to kill that guy, like talking about the other the other boy. And. You know, that's just something that at that age, teenage boys say that. Like, they're like, oh, I'm going to kill him. Like, I was, I, I, I never imagined what happened. And every day I live with the fact that I should have told somebody. I should have said something. So, so there, there's, there's a checklist that I live by. And it's if you see somebody who is quite clearly upset, quite clearly anxious, having a panic attack or whatever, you ask them firstly, are you okay? And they will usually say yes. Yes. <laughs> but... <laughs> Then you say, do you want to talk about it? And you have to ask twice. If they say no both times, then drop it, but just stay with them and, and be with them. But yeah, sometimes talking about it actually would make it a bit worse. But ask them, are you sure? If they say like, no, I don't want to talk about it. Are you sure? Because that, that gives them that chance to change their mind and go, actually, this person does care. Uh, they're not just asking out of politeness. They are actually invested in my care right now um and secondly if somebody says do you need a hug if you if you say no do you yeah because maybe they're asking in the hope that you will give them one um or it's like do you need to talk no but do you um sometimes humans are a bit complicated and kind of uh what's that word project they project onto the other person what they're hoping that somebody would do to them. So if they ask you a question like that, and it seems a bit out of out of character, like they're reading the room wrong, like you're like, why do you think I need a hug? Maybe they need a hug. And I kind of live by those rules because I personally never, ever want a hug. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, yeah. textbook here, the way that Hudson is responding in these scenes where, you know, right after they have this big discussion about you know his about his dad and like he's actually he's he's already like apologized to grace and she's accepted that you know and and forgiven him and then they have a, a he feels like he can be a little bit more open with her and he starts talking about his father and you know like really like 
owning what he believes is his and separating what he believes he is not responsible for. But then they hit this point where he kind of he gets he goes back to snarky again. And it's like all yeah. it's it's all the signs of somebody who is carrying emotional baggage that they believe that nobody else wants to carry for them. Therefore, they think it would be better just to not talk about it and stop bringing it up. He's like, you know, just for mm-hmm. just forget it. I'll, I'll don't worry about it. Yeah, I also I also know that there are certain conversations that I might want to have with somebody, but I don't want to know the answers. Um, like we had um, a cousin come over for we had a Eurovision party on Saturday. Yeah, I saw. <laughs> um, and um, in the mor- in the morning we kind of got chatting because everybody had left. The party was kind of over, so it was a nice kind of quiet chat. And um, I realised I didn't know actually what she did as a job. And I asked, I was like, oh, so what, what do you actually do? And she said, I'm with Child Protective Services. And my brain went, I have so many questions. But I don't, I don't want to know the answer to any of them. And she said, that's fair enough. And you probably don't. And that was the end of the, the conversation. But I know now, if I had questions, she would probably answer them. But she would answer them in a way that she knows that I do not want to know everything. Um, I think that sometimes you have to know your own capabilities for having a conversation with somebody. Um, and to be able to have a universal signal for someone to drop it. Um, a lot of times people will keep persisting with questions and you need to have that. I'm done with this conversation now. It's not, I don't want to talk about it with you. It's a, I am not mentally prepared to have it right now. Yeah. And I think Grace refers to that as the no trespassing sign. Yeah. But not everybody actually can read that. So maybe if you're in that state where you want to talk about it with somebody, but you also don't don't think that the person who you're trying to have that conversation with is ready for it. Have, I mean, it sounds silly, but have safe words. Have have something that it's like, look, look if, you, if, you, if I'm going too much, if I'm saying too much, have something that you can say that will make me go, okay, I went too far. And I'm now hurting them more by having this conversation. Yeah, it's all it's uh, it all boils boils down to good communication, and that's the entire mm-hmm. flaw with this series um, and any any series, any YA series, is that that it, and it's a good point of conflict for a series because it's very accurate to the age group that's being portrayed. It is a lack of just saying what you yeah. are thinking. If you just say what you are thinking. And and, and, yeah. and give permission to speak and give permission to share feelings and also have, you know, boundaries, but stating what they are. It, it's, re- funny, it's funny because she also speaks about this, like, oh, um, maybe maybe I should tell Jackson what just happened between me and Hudson. She never does. Yeah, she's like, eh, I'll do it later. And then she doesn't. Yeah. yeah. And then it makes that conflict even harder when they're trying to have that discussion about going to the island. At no point has she said... Jackson, can we, we can we have actually chat? Like, what do you believe one hundred percent for certain happened, and why did you try and kill Hudson? Like, at no point did she try and go. I need to know what both sides of the story is, like accurately, before I can make any kind of decision. She's she's heard their story, side of the story, but now Hudson's kind of leaning her to another way, 
And then when they go and suggest to go and make him human, she's like, no, 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 no. I, I don't want that plan anymore. But she hasn't voiced her concerns at any other point. Yeah. Because she knows that there, that everybody's gonna going to freak out, and rather than mm-hmm. rather than kind of, you know, voicing how she's feeling, right when she starts feeling it, she draws it out until the last minute, and that's when everybody's yeah. like, "What the hell, really? What? Like, Why? Where did this come from?" Yeah, and then clearly he's had an influence on you because you're suddenly saying this rather than going, hmm, "Look, I've spent two weeks with this guy in my head." And the things that he is saying, they're not necessarily like, this doesn't make sense, but it's got to be true because he said it enough. It's a, this makes sense. Maybe you guys can convince me otherwise. That she's not even trying to have a debate as to whether, like, they had all decided as a jury that he was guilty and that deserved to be a human. And he didn't even get to kind of say his bit. Yeah. So, yeah. They're just, I mean, I dread to think what actual court trials go like. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Grace and Hudson were dragged to a prison. Straight, like there was no, there was no court case or anything. No. They were just dragged into a prison that they were never, they never have the chance of ever escaping. Like they didn't have a sentence. They didn't have a, you will last this many years. It was a, maybe you'll get out if you succeed in the trials. Thanks. And then the trials weren't real to, to begin with. It was yeah. all, it, it was all a joke. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't prepare her during the stages of um, admitting into prison either. Like, I really hope that that's not how actual prisons happen. Like where you go through each stage of like, okay, we're going to put you through the showers so that you don't bring any parasites into the prison. Like, I don't even know whether that's real. But if I turned up and they suddenly shoved me naked into a shower, I would freak. Delousing. But I don't know whether that's real. It is. That could just be in the movies. No, it's real. They, They spray you down. If you're being, lice? if you're gonna be in there for like a long time, it's not like if you're just popping in for like a quick, quick jail visit. <laughs> um, so I've got two more notes, and both of these are big spoilers because uh, I know this episode's running a little longer, but I feel like we got good points in. Um, but so Hudson says. It's all about balance, Grace. Did you ever consider maybe the creator had a plan for us too um, when he was referencing that the vampires might actually have a a greater purpose than just being parasitic? Like maybe they have a role to thin the herd of the human population. Maybe that is their, their role for being here. Now there's two words here that obviously stand out and that's balance Mm -hmm. and creator. So my first time reading it, First time reading the series, I thought, okay, so there he's he's making like a um, a religious reference here, maybe maybe he, and by saying creator, you know, it keeps it it keeps the the ground level for any interpretation. But obviously, reading court, we learn a little bit more here. Balance being the role of gargoyles, they're meant to keep balance, and the creators we come to learn are. The two goddesses, right? They're the ones who, yeah. And they're they're alive, so they could just ask. <laughs> yeah, but you could also kind of interpret us as either the races or us as Grace and Hudson. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're nitpicking now. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's we got we we have to nitpick. Like that's that's. 
that's what people want. They want they want <laughs> they want the spoilers. They want the theories. Okay. And what's your final note? My final note is Jackson is now a v- vamp dragon, a vampin, a dragpire. That sounds a like a, that sounds like a drag queen vampire actually, a dragpire. I'm all for it. Um <laughs> Where does his body go when he dies? I don't know. Does he go to the dragon bone? Because, well, the thing is, the other alternative is quite is quite terrifying anyway, because vampires disintegrate. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, either way, they're never going to see the bones again. I wonder if he'll die and cherish. Like, make sure that everybody else gets panic attacks. <laughs> well, I, you know what? As much hate as I give Jackson, I was very upset in Covet. Like, I got, like, teary-eyed. I had to stop for a minute. Like, that final battle. It isn't very often that a book does that for me. It didn't do it for me the second time because, you know, second read-through, like, I knew what was going to happen. But that first read-through, I was very stressed when I thought, okay, this this is it. Like, she's killing off his character he, he has yeah. served his purpose. They're killing him off. Um, yeah, I, I didn't think that there was going to be a revival at all. Me neither. Because it wasn't that he almost died. He died. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm shocked that Luca didn't get, like, even a passing judgment no. as to, like, <laughs> what? Like, like, his mom just went, yeah, I'm saving Jackson. You don't get no choice in the matter. <laughs> yeah, Nuri's not like, oh, I'm not going to save the current boyfriend. I'm going to... I'm going to save the one that I think Flint likes more. I think it's really funny that she's like, yep, here, have my heart. She didn't go like, Luca, can we borrow your leg? I think Flint needs one. <laughs> <laughs> Luca's, Luca is, um, what, is he Latina? Yeah. Yeah. So he would, so Flint would have like one much lighter leg. If that were the case, it's better, than a, it's better than a wooden one. That's true. That's true. He did. He did get a cool prosthetic, though. He did. He got a super cool prosthetic. He lost the prosthetic, though, didn't he? Didn't it get torn off in in court? Yeah, but then the witch, the witches gave him. Well, the, the witch, the one witch, um, gave him a magical one. That's right. That also transformed when he turned into a dragon. Which clearly, whoever gave him the first prosthetic didn't think of. No, not at all. No, just a tiny <laughs> leg. <laughs> yeah. Uh, love it. I think it would have been really funny if just like everything turns dragon apart. It's <laughs> one human leg <laughs> dangling. Super tiny. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, thanks so much for listening. This has been a a longer episode, but we hope that you you enjoyed it. Be sure to go subscribe to the Crave the Book podcast YouTube channel and listen to our latest ASMR. That one is um, Grace and Hudson's time at the Dragon Court. So, yay. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.